of course, um, I went heavy on Ohio State at the top of the show, but we can go quick. We can just kind of do this rapid fire. I know that always means we're still doing an hour, but... I don't know. One of us should enjoy what, what their football team can accomplish. <laughs> Welcome one and all to episode 167 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, you're, uh, you're still enjoying the weekend where your Browns actually looked competent and cost me a ton of money. And then, uh, and then the Ohio State University um, bludgeoned a fake tough Wisconsin team, huh? Uh, okay, look, I don't know why you would bet against the Cleveland Browns with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Uh, that's on you, pal. Uh, but hey, anytime like- you can take anytime you can take a plus seven and a half line. You, you gotta do it. I didn't know that the uh, I didn't know that the Steelers were the bad news bears and couldn't handle a pass and lateral. Jeez. <laughs> well, actually, Jacoby Brissett is playing a lot better than a lot of AFC quarterbacks right now. And Ohio State, I mean, come on, they obliterated Wisconsin. They were up forty-seven to uh, forty-five to seven after three quarters. Uh, this was. Similar almost to the uh, 2014 Big Ten championship game where the Buckeyes beat Wisconsin 59 to zip and went on to win the national championship that year. Were you surprised by this? Because I I actually was. I I thought they would beat Wisconsin, but I did not think they would just blow them out of the water. Man, you've been trying to tell me Graham Mertz was playing better, and I was staunchly against that. I, I, his numbers look better, but I just, I wasn't buying it, man. And like, and the only, the only concern I had was that Ohio State sometimes, um, they can get lax when they get, when they get up early. And, and this was just a, this was just, like I said, a bludgeoning, like, I was I was worried it was going to be kind of like what they did to Arkansas State, where they kind of just rolled out the second half and hung out and <laughs> played catch with themselves. But in this game, they really just they didn't let up until till late. And so yeah, I, I Seth, I don't even think they were trying to to let up. I think they they just came out with a plan to put the pedal to the metal the entire game. They were trying to spread the ball out to a bunch of different guys and especially trying to rotate the running backs. And that's where I really want to spotlight how Ohio State has been sharing the wealth throughout this early part of the season, especially at running back, right? You have Travion Henderson. He's a true sophomore. We know a lot of people thought he was going to be a Heisman contender. But Mayan Williams, who's a redshirt sophomore, actually draft eligible, 5'9", 225 pounds. He had 11 carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns in this game. He's got 308 yards on the season. He's running back 1B for them, 7.2 yards a carry. Again, two touchdowns against Wisconsin. That's three on the season. That was a big part of their victory. And then you've got Cade Stover, 
the senior tight end. I wrote about him on Patreon today for us. If you are a uh, generational patron, you've already seen this. But Cade Stover, four catches, 51 yards, two touchdowns. He's got 12, 12 catches, 108 yards, and two touchdowns on the season. He was a linebacker recruit. And the people at, at 247 compared him to Anthony Barr. He also played running back in high school. And he was his high school's all-time scoring leader in basketball. So then you had uh, Tanner McAllister, a defensive back transfer from Oklahoma State. He had a big interception on uh, Wisconsin's first possession against Mertz and ran it back to like the 16-yard line. That gave uh, that set up Ohio State going up two touchdowns really early in the game. The tone was set early. Ohio State dominated. I was a little bit surprised at how dominant it was. Um, they had, I think it was an 18-point spread. They had this covered early and often, and uh, it was just a, a really incredible performance by Ohio State against a pretty good defense. C.J. Stroud is now the Heisman frontrunner. I think he, ha- he already was, but now he's plus 150, and uh, this guy's got 16 touchdowns, one pick on the season, completing 71% of his passes. Buckeyes are for real. Uh, that... Notre Dame game where they kind of sloughed through it where Notre Dame played keep away. That's in the rear view mirror. Yeah. And like you said, CJ Shroud made a huge statement in his, in his bid to be the Heisman. And it, it kind of goes through Columbus now, but a guy right there that has just put on a team on his back and, and, you know, has really done a lot is is Tennessee's Hendon Hooker who helped lead the uh volunteers to their first win over Florida since I believe 2016 which in and of itself is insane right like it's been that long since this storied rivalry you've had a, a Tennessee win but you you look at what he did in this game man and it was just he is becoming appointment television every week yeah hooker's another guy i wrote about this week um 349 passing yards 112 rushing yards three total touchdowns and that was up against anthony richardson who threw for uh, i think it was a career high for him 453 passing yards in the first two tds of his uh season but richardson also turned it over a couple times Hooker is he boosted himself into fourth in the Heisman odds now, which is pretty incredible. And uh, not only was this the first time that Tennessee beat Florida since 2016, it's only the second time that they beat Florida since 2004. So that is just incredible to think about that that uh, this rivalry and that level of futility. But uh, Hooker leads them to to a win here. It was a tight one, but uh, Tennessee seems legit right now. And it's going to be really, really intriguing to see how the NFL treats him as a draft prospect because we know he's going to be 25 in January. Yeah, and they've got such a dynamic group of weapons. We talked about, um, you know, Jalen Hyatt last week. Um, on the on the Patreon and and you look at 
they're the guy that came into the year is kind of the guy Cedric Tillman. He didn't play in this game, right? He was out injured, uh, I believe. Yeah, I think so. But this week they had another guy step up in in um junior wide receiver Brew McCoy, who is a USC transfer. And he's a USC to Texas to USC. Like he's a quadruple transfer. And he is massive if he's really that size at 6'3, 220 pounds. I mean, they've got just they've just got an electric group of skill players right now. And and the and Hooker is taking advantage of it. One of the things I wanted to mention in this game, and and I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Richardson because he had a good performance. But if you look at the two performances next to each other, Hooker was 22 of 28, so just under 79% completion percentage. 349 yards, two touchdowns, like Justin said, 112 yards rushing and another touchdown. Richardson threw for 453 yards, but he was 24 of 44, which is 50, just under 55%. So, like, that's a, that's a huge difference, like, he threw 16 more passes and, and threw for a hundred more yards. Like it was, and, and look, he had a great game. It was the best game he's played this year, but he still had two crucial errors. And like, I still have a lot of questions about him as a prospect, um, you know, coming out of this game. Speaking of guys, that, I think also it's worth mentioning Tennessee never trailed in that game. I don't think. No, no, they, they didn't. They had the lead, and they, uh, it was it was tight in the end, but they had the lead the whole way. Yeah, and and they're just doing a really nice job um, this season. When you look at when you look at college football Saturday, we had some questions about Oklahoma, and they came out and laid an egg. And the crazy thing is they didn't even play that poorly offensively. They just looked like the Lincoln Riley coach defense this, this game. And, and that's pretty interesting when you think about Brett Venables. Um, I know he's a first-year guy. I know he doesn't have his recruits in yet. But this was just a game where Oklahoma just could not match up with with Adrian Martinez and who thought we would ever say that. Yeah. Martinez, another guy I wrote about on Patreon this week. Um, another plug for the, for our, uh, to subscribe to us, uh, two bucks a month gets you the bonus episode every week. And then four bucks a month gets you the bonus episode. plus the two articles that we've been doing, but Adrian Martinez accounted for five touchdowns, four of those on the ground. And, this guy, he looked like uh, an up-and-comer, you know, when he was at Nebraska as a freshman. And he's fallen to the wayside. Now he's a grad transfer for K-State. But now K-State's up to 3-1. and one. They go on the road, beat Oklahoma in Norman, like you said, against a defensive head coach. Adrian Martinez is a player you and I have talked about, I think going back to last year, who's going to get an opportunity at the NFL level because of his athletic ability. Do you, and and I know this isn't something people want to hear, but do you think he could be like Taysom Hill? Do you think he's that athletic? Um, yeah, I, I think, 
I think he could be. It's just that that's a, such a unique role, and so many NFL teams would be unwilling to even attempt such a thing. So I think it's more likely that Martinez gets like a look at as like an H back or a, a safety even, but he's been a serviceable college quarterback at times, and he's caused uh, headaches for defensive coaches. So this was really a funny game to me because uh, we talk. I talked to Rob, our producer, before the show, and K State just always seems to cause a headache for Oklahoma. And uh, Rob, when you were watching this game or observing this game from a distance, however, what were what was going through your mind? Uh, a lot of snacks, mostly. <laughs> Check out the snack table, but no, like, I don't know, like every year, we always let Kansas State play us a little closer than they should, if not just outright win. So it's nice to see Venables keeping up that tradition. <laughs> do, do you, do you, does this give you pause on Venables? I know we talked about Venables in the offseason. It wasn't really like a home run, I think, in any of our minds. But does this make you more down on him or not? Or are you just neutral? It's just kind of par for the course. I think it's neutral, but then again, I'm also on already on the coping mechanism of the, uh, you know, once he gets his recruits in there, it'll be just fine. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. And to be fair, Dylan Gabriel had a great game in this loss. He threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns, no picks. He's still hitting on all cylinders. The offense, like you said, Seth, they're firing away. This wasn't a matter of, of that. It was a matter of them not being able to stop. Adrian Martinez, which has happened maybe like five times in his career, but it, it does happen. Uh, Middle Tennessee beat Miami, and much like uh, their state brethren, the Tennessee Vols, they never trailed in this game either. They, they uh, took a 17-3 lead after the first quarter and held it from there. And Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, a guy who appeared in those way too early mocks, that we like to talk about in the offseason. He threw two picks and got benched. And it looks like he he's in danger of losing the starting job. I mean, anytime you can throw Tyler Van Dyke and Anthony Richardson in first rounds, you got to do it, man. It's You know, Richardson still might get in just on his sheer tools and talent alone. Man, there is but no Tyler way Van that Dyke, guy should... There's no way that guy should go pro right now. No, I agree with you. Um, but it's, you know, sometimes the hype factor has a way of just holding holding the line, right? But Tyler Van Dyke, he's out. I mean, he is he's done as a first rounder if he's being benched long term. And just being benched in a game is is pretty bad in 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 and of itself. So I think this is a really tough uh, blow to his draft status and it's people we were talking about this on saturday the message boards were on fire they want mario cristobal out already yeah what were they calling him mario golden <laughs> right they were calling him mario golden so reference to al golden the former uh, miami coach who also got run out of town so uh there is uh, a vote of no confidence right now 
we need to, of course, give some shout outs to two guys. One that we are, are declaring ourselves as firsters on. Uh, Jalen Daniels continues to just bring it week in and week out. Uh, Kansas is 4-0, and oh, baby. Kansas is 4-0. Oh. Uh, in football. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not not in college basketball. Yeah. Uh Daniels 324 passing yards and four touchdowns. He also had 83 yards rushing and a touchdown. So uh, again another five touchdown performance. And then the other guy we mentioned, so two guys that we mentioned about the Heisman, Blake Corum. He they needed everything he gave them, but 3 or 30 carries for 243 yards. Uh, two touchdowns. The last that was a which, tight game. Yeah, they had a la- tight game against Maryland, and Corm uh, yeah. had a long run at the end of that game to seal it. And yeah, what a workhorse this kid's been. So I mean, he's going to be interesting because Harbaugh running backs, man, they're they're good, but it's just tough. Um, he's a little fire plug guy. Like I, I, I like Corm. He's got some athletic ability. He's got a million dollar smile. He's so uh energetic off the field and he's one of those guys, even as an Ohio State alum, I can appreciate his energy and his uh enthusiasm. He seems like the type of player that you'd love on your team that you hate to play against because he's he's gonna smile no matter what. And um his coach loves him. Michigan's gonna be tough. I, this was a tight game in the big house against Maryland. I was surprised that it was this tight. But uh, at the same time, Michigan answered the bell and, and won this game, outlasting the Terps. So uh, props to the Terps for hanging tight. But Corum, 30 carries. What a workhorse. And uh, I think the last two weeks he scored seven touchdowns and has nine on the year. Yeah, in four games, which is just baffling. Right. Uh, This week, five, we've got some really interesting matchups with ranked teams. Uh, First off, number seven, Kentucky. I'm still so confused by this. Number seven, (laughs) Kentucky. Keep going, though. (laughs) Number 14, Ole Miss. Who's favored? And not only favored, but heavily favored. Six and a half point favorites heading into the game. That's a big line for against the number seven team in the country, especially when their star running back, Zach Evans, is is questionable with an injury. Right. Um, I think he had to leave the game this past weekend, and they have a freshman running back that they leaned on going forward. But, um, yeah, this is a curious line. But you look and, and see Kentucky had kind of a close – win close-ish win this past weekend uh not the dominance you'd like to see from a team that you're ranking number seven overall so the odds makers and the pollsters are at odds here and i think the odds makers more reflect our opinion of kentucky and will levis than the pollsters do i don't think this is the seventh best team in the country um kentucky's gonna get back chris rodriguez he's been like shadow suspended, I guess, for some kind of eligibility issue. Um, some people, he got a DUI in the offseason. Some people thought that was the issue, but it sounds like 
there's an eligibility thing, but that seems to be cleared up. He should be back this weekend. That's going to help Kentucky. But what do you think? Who who do you have in this game? With Zach Evans, I like Ole Miss to cover and win. Um, Without Zach Evans, God, that's a tough one. I'm gonna, I don't I'm gonna say Evans or not. I, I t- I'll take Ole Miss to cover and win this game. I, I think this is yeah. I just the don't know week where it, Kentucky gets exposed. Yeah, it comes back to earth. Yeah, yeah. That's just. I mean, six and a, I mean, a touchdown's a lot, man. I mean, with Will Levis, he'll be throwing the ball. He'll he'll get a chance to make up for it. Levis yeah. has played all right, but he has four picks this year. And when you look at him against the other top quarterbacks, four is a high number. It is. It is. Um, yeah, so give me Ole Miss until until we know Evans is out. This is a really intriguing one, man. 22 Wake Forest at 23 Florida State. Um, Wake Forest just took Clemson to the limit. I feel like I I get the idea that they may come in after that game and it might be a little tough to to rebound Mm -hmm. but at the same time i feel like they they're just a better team aren't they i mean i well it's i I was just gonna ask you do you think wake forest and clemson was close because wake forest is better than their ranking or clemson is worse than their ranking i mean i'll say it's a bit of both but um fsu being a seven-point favorite, I get the home team, but that's kind of crazy to me. I just here's my thing, and f- you know, so I get that Florida State beat LSU, I I truly do, but after that is LSU I mean, good, right? And then they they squeaked by Louisville, and is Louisville good? No, and then They're okay, they they beat the the tar out of Boston College, who's not good. Um, yeah, I mean that's a topic for another show soon. But yeah, Boston but, College and Phil Jakovic falling off a cliff. But here's here's one thing, and and you talked about it with Michigan, and I'm not going to say it's obviously to that extent, but Florida State has two running backs on the team with over 250 yards rushing on the season. Treshawn Ward has 350 yards and three touchdowns. No, Ohio State has two running backs with over 300 yards. Just saying. well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying is like those teams are hard to beat. They they really are because because they can control the tempo so much. Um, I just that's a good I, if, point. And Florida State's got uh, Jordan Travis who who can run the ball as well, and, and he's. He's been he's really, well. I was going to say, he's been airproof. That I, I think that's the best compliment you can give him. He's, you know, he's only turned the ball over once. He's not a great quarterback, like you said, uh, but he's. He has some he's, tools. He's got right. athleticism. He can, he's, and, he's mobile. And he's just not turning the ball over. So if you control the ball and and you give your defense a chance to get after it, you know, Jared Verse in three games has three sacks. He missed last week in their win over 
Boston College. I think he actually came back in in that game, but he was limited because he he left the Louisville game the week before. Oh, um, it, it said I. The only thing I have is that he didn't register any stats, so I just assumed. Right. He yeah. No, he he did come back, but yeah, he did not play enough, or um, he wasn't effective enough to register stats. So this is a kid we've talked about on this show before, he, and he's going to get a chance this week because. Wake Forest loves to throw the football. And Hartman has played phenomenally in three games since coming back from his heart issue that we mentioned. It's Um, crazy. They have have some trees at receiver, right? Right, yeah. And and Hartman's numbers. Sorry, 6'5", A.T. Perry, 6'2", Donovan Green, and 6'4", Jamal Banks. So that's going to be a big challenge for FSU secondary. And then and then they get the little kind of shifty guys in Kashawn Williams and, and uh Taylor Morin. But you look at it, it's crazy, you know, talking about Travis versus like Hartman. In in three games, Hartman has as many passing yards and five or three times as many touchdowns as Tra and again, Travis hasn't played bad. It's just right. like he, he's managing the game, handing off, you know, to to these running backs that are just racking up yards. And and at the beginning of the season, we talked about it like, you know, you kind of scoff when they when they do it against Duquesne. Right. You're like, uh, what are you going to, you know, let's, let's do it again next week. Right. And then and then they have a good game against LSU. Um but then they come out against Louisville and they really kind of, you know, start to start to break away. And, and so you're just like, do we take this team? Ser-? Like, it's just tough, man. I, I'm shocked. I am honestly shocked. It is a seven point line. Like, Especially are, after last week when are, I just Wake think was, that they're, they're expecting a letdown. They were them. neck and neck against Clemson. Who's fifth in the country. And it went to OT. Do we really think Florida State's going to beat Wake more than Clemson did? I just really think that the the Vegas odds makers are thinking that that's going to be something tough to overcome after such a heartbreaking loss. In a letdown game. game is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, this is. I mean, it, it is the, a like they gave their heart and soul to beating Clemson, and now they're just going to come in and mail it in. Um, they're going to be exhausted and they're going to lose by more than a touchdown to FSU. Are you buying now, that? I, I don't know. What's man. our That's pick? Tough. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking I'm gonna, Wake. I'm taking Wake to beat yeah, the spread. To beat the spread. I, I think I think Florida State wins. I think Wake covers, but I wouldn't okay. be shocked if I wouldn't be shocked if Wake Forest wins straight up. I wouldn't either. I would not. Um, they, they just, those three guys, those three guys at receiver are going to be so tough to cover. Hartman's done a great job spreading it to those three guys. And Hartman's a veteran. I think we said he's a fifth year junior, but he's on the senior bowl and the shrine bowl watch list. So I like wake at least to cover. I get it. FSU's played some good ball, had some good wins, but Give me wake on that bet. And uh, again, I offer that with the caveat that I don't actually bet on these games. I, if you want to ask me about prop bets on players, uh, shoot me a, a tweet at AFC2NFC. 
Oklahoma State number nine at Baylor. Um, and Baylor's favored by two and a half as of today. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, Baylor was in a tough game, lost a close one to to BYU, who's a BYU is what a top ten team now. Are, I think are they that high? No, or? I think they're they're top twenty five, but not top, okay. Top they, they lost to Oregon. Oh, so. oh, that's right. They got smoked by Oregon the next right. Week. Oh yeah, they got up to twelve, and now they're back to nineteen. Sorry, right? I, I, I can't ever remember. It fluctuates so much. Um, they had a get right game against Texas State, but then they let Iowa State hang around. Um, meanwhile, Oklahoma State has really not played anybody. The ASU. The they ASU. literally didn't play anybody last week. Right. And a- the ASU <laughs> win looks really bad at this point um, after ASU lost to Eastern Michigan. Um, <laughs> that got Herm Edwards fired. A win's a win. You just play right. who's on your schedule. Right. Well, and I think that's what it is. I think that's what the odds makers are like, we don't know what to make of this team. I mean, they played Central sure. Michigan. They've, they won by 14. They played Arizona State. They won by 17. And then they played Arkansas Pine Bluff and won by 400. So, like, what <laughs> what, what do you do with a team? And and what do you? And do if with- you seriously, Seth, if you look at everybody's schedule at this point, that's what most teams look like right now. We're trying right. to we're trying to gauge this, but the majority of of FBS teams like that is what their schedule looks like, and it's hilarious when you look at a team like Georgia, who gave up 22 points to Kent State this past weekend and you're like what's wrong with georgia probably nothing they just well it's exactly what i said about ohio state in in what was that second game they played where you're like when they played arkansas state and arkansas state hung around for like the first 10 minutes of that game and And you're like whoa they can't cover this small quick guy and then they you know they end up blowing them out and two weeks later they're destroying a legitimate team in wisconsin so here's the thing it it's interesting because they're undefeated, but the pollsters move them down now just one spot after their Arkansas Pine Bluff win. So they went from eleven to eight, and now they sit at number nine. Because out of sight, out of mind, they didn't play last week. Well, no, I agree, but they were at number nine after they won sixty three to seven. Like they got moved down that week and then they stayed at number nine this week. So I think it's kind of that too. Like everybody's kind of like, Hey, show me, show me something against a good team because this is just, I mean, that that's all it is. I mean, they move, they moved Tennessee up above them. Um, You know, they moved Kentucky above them. So like, it's literally, hey, just show us something. And so when and you I'll look tell at you it, this, uh, when I do my box score scouting article every Monday on Patreon, another plug, but uh, I I usually avoid performances by FBS guys against FCS teams. I, I just think that's kind of not a level playing field. Now I'll note some ones sometimes when they're you know it's a power five team against a group of five team, but yeah, if I'm, and I, so I kind of get why the pollsters are doing that. If I'm a pollster, I'm looking at uh, Oklahoma State defeating Arkansas Pine Bluff, and there's some other teams 
defeating tougher opponents, yeah, I might jump them uh, because of those those performances. I, I kind of get that. Uh, but it just does go to show you this, just the pure subjectivity of all this pollster, all these polls. And like, none of this means anything until the playoff rankings come out after like week eight. Yeah, and and so in this one, man, I like Baylor. I do. I don't. Do you? I just don't buy Oklahoma State yet. But Oklahoma like, State I, is I, the veteran quarterback in Spencer really, Sanders. Yeah, I just really wasn't impressed with them against Arizona State. Like that, I guess that's kind of okay. what it comes down to. So I'll take the Bears. I'm I'm, I'm going against you. I think uh, I I like the Cowboys in this. Um, but I, I think the players to watch from a draft next standpoint are, are mostly defensive players in this game. You got Brock Martin, a pass rusher for the, for Oklahoma state, uh, defensive lineman, Tyler Lacey. He's off to a good start. He's a big kind of five technique type of, of player. And you got the linebacker Mason Cobb, who's their leading tackler. I think he's leading the team in tackles for loss as well. And then for Baylor, you got a linebacker. You, we've talked about Baylor's like undersized interior defensive linemen. We've talked about them on the show a few times before. So I want to spotlight uh, Bryson Jackson, an undersized linebacker for Baylor, who had a two-sack game last week against Iowa State. So I think the intrigue is on the defensive side of the ball. But that's why I like uh, Oklahoma State better here, because I think they have the better offense. It's he's not draft eligible, but the the machine right now for Baylor offensively has been freshman running back Richard Reese, who's got three hundred and fifteen yards and six touchdowns in four games. We will, so we'll talk about him in two years. Yeah, he's he's not right? bad. Um Bama at disappointing Arkansas and, and Arkansas put themselves in a position to win the game. Their kicker missed a field goal. But and I thought there was a lot of like mature responses from this of like, hey, you know what? If if we don't get down or we don't blow a fourteen nothing lead, excuse me, if we don't blow a fourteen nothing lead, um, that kick doesn't matter. Now, yeah, you would like the kicker just to make the kick. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, but this was an interesting game, man, because I don't, I don't know what arky was doing in this one um i like sam Pittman. i thought he's done a nice job so far but agree kj jefferson i i mean there was such limited offense on in this one um kj jefferson ran the ball 18 times he threw the ball 19 times and and we've talked a lot about jefferson and and the development he's had as a passer um were you surprised how they utilized him in this game uh no because there's a lot of respect there for texas a&m the town on that roster jimbo fisher has recruited a lot of high-end athletes a lot of high-end players and i think it's somewhat like I get it, KJ Jefferson has played very well uh, overall, but I do think he still has some limitations as a passer, and 
when you have that speed on defense that Texas A&M does, especially in the defensive backfield, where they have a couple safeties who we've talked about who are who are uh, going to be draft prospects this year, that causes the you know the coaching staff to maybe take a step back, and they know Jefferson's an effective runner too, uh, and they have. Uh, an effective running back as well. So I think they were a little conservative. I think that's what you're going to get with uh, a guy like Pittman, who his background's what offensive line. Yeah, I believe. Is so. that right? So, so yeah, that, that kind of background is going to lend itself to a more conservative approach. And maybe that's what you do when you're playing Texas A&M. Now, what are you going to do when you're playing at, uh, when you're playing at home, against Alabama and Alabama's favored by 17. I think you kind of let it hang out a little bit more in that in that uh situation. So I would expect especially coming off a loss now. It was a narrow loss against a good team. And uh I think you're right to say Arkansas was disappointing this week because that loss drops them from 10 to 20 in the polls. But now they're 17 point underdogs and they have nothing to lose against Alabama. The thing is Alabama has given up 29 points all season and 19 of those were to Texas. So you look at the other three games, they've given up 10 points. So how do you score on Bama? How do you solve the Alabama defense, which looks really good right now? Um, some players to look at in this game. It, this is going to be a really intriguing game of pass yeah. rushers because you've highlighted Arkansas's yeah. Drew Sanders, who was an Alabama transfer. He right. Has six sacks in four games. And, and then, he's like a jack. He's like a Swiss Army knife on their defense. They line him I, up all over the place. I, I don't want But he's wanna, been most effective at pass rusher. I don't like making these comparisons. You guys that listen to this know this. Compare him to a Hall of Famer, please. Right. Well, but they <laughs> they kind of utilize him in the same way the Cowboys utilize Micah Parsons. I'm not saying they're the same player or Seth anything like that. Just said he's Micah Parsons. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Note that. But th- <laughs> that's how they utilize him. Like you're saying, like all over. But he's kinda. he's really good. We talked about him. He's he was a a big time uh, recruit. He was stuck in kind of a log jam at Alabama where they have just five stars coming out the wazoo and he goes to Arkansas and he's been a star for them. Yeah. And he, he's a true junior too, right? Right. Like he's, he's not a uh, super, super senior uh, grad transfer guy. He's a true junior and he, he actually played pretty well at Alabama last year. Right. But now he is coming out of the shell. He's, starring for them uh he has more sex than uh will anderson yeah and will Anderson, who's been fantastic again i was gonna, I was gonna say will anderson's kind of turned it on the last three games uh four and a half sacks and six and a half tackles for loss it's crazy to think that this guy if he stays healthy really has a great chance to finish with 40 career sacks in three seasons like <laughs> it's gonna it's going to be absurd that he's going to he ha, he has a chance to be a sack a game guy in college, which is really unheard of because typically as you become 
great, you get less opportunities, you know, Miles Garrett, Chase Young, those guys. Um, right. Last... Teams key on you. Right. And, uh, and, and they, don't forget, they he's tend got... to double yeah. and triple team. And, and don't forget, he has one interception or he has an interception return for a touchdown this year as well. Right. So he's literally. <laughs> well, it's funny because he didn't have any sacks or tackles for loss in game one. And people were like, whoa, what's up with Will Anderson? And then since then, like you said, six, uh, he's actually at seven and a half uh, tackles for loss on the season. I think he had one in that first game, but he didn't have any sacks. So, yeah, the last three games he is he has played true to form and. He's going to have, it's more of a challenge for him now. He's got Jefferson, he's a mobile guy, a guy who can run a little bit. So <laughs> and you don't necessarily expect, uh, what's that? And a big guy too. So, right, yeah. right. So you don't necessarily, he's actually bigger, I think, than Anderson. I was going to say he probably so, outweighs Anderson. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, but you don't necessarily expect uh, Anderson to have a big sack game here, but uh, you do think that when you're, KJ Jefferson facing a guy like Will Anderson is probably going to limit your ability to run the ball effectively. So Jefferson's going to have to pass the ball and uh, hit big strikes. And and uh, Jadon uh, Hazelton, who we talked about as a kind of replacement for Traylon Burks, he has played pretty well in that role. So uh, that's an, that's a guy to watch as well. Uh, Bama, much like Ohio State, they've had such a kind of light, they've had light work to this point, even more so than Ohio State, that they're just like cycling in running backs and receivers. So nobody has eye-popping numbers at at the skill player positions for Bama. But uh, rest assured, all those guys are really good, and they're all going to be like first and second round picks. Yeah, I mean, Jameer Gibbs kind of leads the way in scrimmage yards with 359. Uh, I think Jace McClellan is their leading rusher rusher. with, yeah, 245 yards. Right. But it's been really interesting to see how they've utilized Gibbs because I don't remember them doing this with a. Yeah, they've never. Right. They usually have just kind of your straightforward running backs. And uh, usually they're bigger guys, so Gibbs is a smaller than than the typical Bama running back, and uh, th- so yeah, he's kind of a a scat back, I guess, for lack of a better term, compared to what Bama's had. Um, North Carolina State. This is our last game that we're going to preview. North Carolina State at Clemson. This is a quarterback battle, and uh, Devin Leary. By the way, you didn't it, mention you didn't mention this is number five versus number ten somehow. Oh yeah, okay. So Clemson being number five, NC right. State being number ten. Um, yeah, Devin Leary uh, going up against DJ Uyangalele. Oh, did we make a pick in the Bama game? Uh, I'm going to take Bama. Yeah, to I, cover I am as well. <laughs> and win. That's a 17 point game. Arkansas, I love you, but uh, you're not going to win that one. Um, NC State at at Clemson. Uh, I forgot to put the line down on this one. Do you have that? Uh, I can grab it real quick. But you know what's okay. Interesting so I'll is... talk about the quarterbacks real quick. 
Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Leary and DJU both around 64% right now. Um, DJU is about a yard per attempt better than Leary, who I think came into the season more hyped among the draft next, even though we know he just turned 23 about uh, at the beginning of this month. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio, super tight with these guys. Leary's nine touchdowns, two picks. DJ is 10 touchdowns, one pick. But what's remarkable about that is, if you'll recall, he had nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions throughout the entirety of last season. So DJ, you, is he figuring it out? He had a great game this past weekend against Wake. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as, as to say he's figuring things out, but that touchdown interception ratio has flipped on its head. Last year it was negative, and this year he is uh, 10 to 1. And he's running the ball pretty effectively, too. They seem to have something going with Clemson. I'm not sure I believe that they're the fifth best team in the country, but they seem to be a team that's going to uh, at least they're they're way better than last year. I'll say that. Yeah, and and I think the emergence of, of sophomore running back Will Shipley's taken a lot of the pressure off of DJU because you know we've talked about Clemson in general that they they still kind of leave you wanting at wide receiver after being like the team to put out wide receivers for what three or four years in a row and now they were and then the receivers weren't uh, other than like Hopkins they weren't great as pros Uh, I I shouldn't say that TJ T Higgins Higgins has been pretty good too been pretty good um, you know, it's just interesting to look at Clemson six and a half point favorite, by the way. I, I was gonna say I got it at seven. So Okay. One, here's the thing. People do not buy North Carolina State. They just don't. Um it, I, we've seen some big lines this year in top ten matchups. It's crazy to think that Clemson that just got taken to the brink on the road comes in and gets a touchdown favorite against North Carolina state, a team that beat them last year that has their quarterback returning that is undefeated. But that's kind of what happens when, when the sharps don't buy you as a team, like they just don't buy you as a contender. And and I don't think it says anything too strongly about Clemson. I think it says more about what their thoughts of North Carolina State. So the draft Knicks, though, they they really like Leary. And uh, you and I had our misgivings, I think, because he's about 6'1", 210, 215. He's undersized. He's overaged. He's going to be 24. I've come up with a hot take on on guys like Devin Larry. I'll I'll talk to you about. Okay, hold that show. thought for for a minute. But then you have DJU who has been a disappointment, I think, to this point. But you look at him, and we talked about him in our ACC preview. There is still something there with this kid. He has the size. He's actually lost thirty pounds from where he was playing at two sixty, which is crazy to me. 
last year. Now he's playing at 230 pounds. Do you think but he's he been seems to have. Uh, no, I would never say anything like that. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's too lofty of a comparison. But what you're what you're saying, what you are uh, seeing with this kid is there's better touch this year. He's not forcing the issue. He's still not very accurate as a college quarterback goes, but he does have size, the tools, the arm strength, and he's probably a, a player who I would like to see play again next year, play f- I, four I full years. Same, I was going to say the same exact thing. But what the difference between this year and last year is stark, I think. And you have to acknowledge that, like he looked like a guy who was going to get benched last year. This year, he's got this team. Uh, he's he's got command of this team. They just went out and scored over fifty points against Wake. So if they were ever going to lose that game, it was never going to be his fault. He's protecting the ball better. He he moves the ball. It's not super exciting <laughs> like with uh, Ohio State, but. He is being a, an effective quarterback this year, and I think I, I want to give him credit. I think he's playing pretty well, uh, especially when you relate it to how he played last year, which was pretty terrible, honestly. So this isn't our hot take, but I've uh, come up with this. Um, any of these guys with uh, that are that are undersized for a quarterback with arm tattoos, I'm out on. <laughs> so let's... Uh, so I call it the Trace who McSorley. Who is that applied to? I, I call it the Trace McSorley method. The Trace McSorley. Was, wasn't Corral one of those guys? Corral, yeah. So like, he was I've your just, quarterback one, though. I, I've just learned that you can't trust him. <laughs> yeah, I just learned that you can't trust him. They're trying so. to juice up the weak arm with a... Yeah with, ink. yeah, with a little ink. So I do have a hot <laughs> hot take. For, oh, I'm taking Clemson in this game, by the way. I am too, definitely. So I've got a hot take for you. Um, obviously, after this weekend, B. John Robinson wore the, wore the shame collar for his fumble in overtime. And now he's his... doing the uh, Omar Epps bit from uh, the program. He's carrying the ball around on campus. Yeah, I know. So because he fumbled. So yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up. So, as as the president would say, true story, not a joke, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so what's crazy to me about this is, in four hundred career touches, he has three fumbles. I feel like that's not a bad, <laughs> for especially for his usage. That's not a bad uh bad number. How but many touches? Over over four hundred career touches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not bad. But so, the take on this was: How do you give uh, Bijan Robinson seventeen touches where he has one hundred and twenty-five yards, averaging seven and a half yards per touch, and scores two touchdowns, and you give Roshan Johnson? Uh, 11 touches that he gains 38 yards in. like are are people 
trying to make Roshan Johnson a thing when he's just he's really not. Well, you see this at the pro level too, Seth. And um yes, for one, they are trying to make Roshan Johnson a thing. He's a converted quarterback and because he's uh, a senior that he's he's getting senior bowl hype, he's getting draft nick hype. But you see this at the pro level as well when we have these tandem backfields and the player, for example, I look back to a couple of years ago when Jonathan Taylor was a rookie and people were looking at uh, Naeem Hines or Marlon Mack and saying that those guys should should get carries. Um, you look at it now with, with Ezekiel Elliott and and Tony Pollard, and I think Pollard is a, a fine player, and he's playing very well right now. But the suggestion that Ezekiel Elliott is completely washed when we're watching him gain over, you know, we're watching him in a game where he's gaining over five yards a carry in a particular game, it's just kind of absurd. And so, I mean, in one respect, I think you're looking at college coaches and coaches overall at every level kind of protecting good running backs by playing other decent running backs and, and kind of taking the load off. It's almost like what Major League Baseball I was gonna is, say, like, is doing with pitchers. With pitchers, yeah. Yeah, like it's like, oh, this guy's throwing a no-hitter through six. Oh, well, he's throwing uh, 98 pitches. we got to take him out. So I kind of get it, but also it's frustrating to watch as a fan, as a former, as former players, as former coaches, where we're just like, ride the, you know, let this kid ride. Like he's on fire. Let him play. Let him play. And um, certainly with an excellent player like uh, Bijan, he fumbles one time. You don't just want to pull the plug on him. Um, It's... it ends up it, it's not beneficial to the coaches. Uh, Sarkeesian, a couple of year a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, this close, a fingernail away from beating Alabama, and now he's lost a couple of games, and the honeymoon is over. So, well, and so you know, this right, is, play your guys, play your best players. Well, and and I wouldn't call Texas Tech, you know, good by any means, but they're not a bad program. They're not Texas it. has no business losing to Texas Tech. I think we no, agree with that. I, I agree with that. But my point being, so in, in Johnson's four games, he has 30 carries for 146 yards and one touchdown. Against, yeah, that's fine. Against Louisiana Monroe and Texas San Antonio, he has 16 carries for 100 and, um, 115 yards. So 16 for 115 against Alabama and Texas tech. He has 14 carries for 31 yards. So, <laughs> so I, I want to circle back to like the Ohio state situation, right? Where we talked about Travion Henderson and, and my limbs. This isn't even that where I think where you and I would guys agree are that Travion, playing good. Yeah. I think you and I would agree that Travion Henderson is the better of the two, but Mayan Williams is, he kind of, is reminiscent of Mark Ingram as a running back prospect. Mark Ingram too, right? Yeah. Um, so you 
you could see Ohio State if if Travion Henderson was just a figment of the imagination, you could see Ohio State riding a guy like Mayan Williams for 25 carries a game. He's that good. I don't think we I don't think that's the same case with Bijan Robinson and uh, Roshan Johnson. Well, especially when you've played non-group of five teams and you've he's giving you two yards a carry. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like these coaches overthink things sometimes and and they're like, hey, the way we beat uh, UTSA is the way we're going to beat Texas <laughs> Tech. And it's like, look, I'm not disagreeing that Texas Tech is not on the same level as Bama, but, like, you got to, like you said, you got to ride your, your studs in this case. And it... There was one play that stuck out, and a buddy of ours, I'm going to double-check his Twitter handle, uh, BillyM underscore 91. They took Robinson off the field on third down after a timeout. So, like, not because, like, he had to tap out or not. Right. They called timeout. He wasn't gassed. Yeah, and they left him off the field. And it's just like, are you trying to get fired? Like, that's that's honestly what I think sometimes. I'm like. And I also think we're not uh, really disparaging Roshan Johnson. We're just saying, objectively, he's not a better running back prospect than B. John Robinson. He's not a better college player by any means. That's all we're saying here. Right. Like play your best players in crucial moments. And when you do, like you said, when you get cute, that's when you screw things up. And uh, that's why Texas was on high on September 10th. And two weeks later, things are not going well there. <laughs> it, was, it's, it, it just seems like such an easy thing to, to manage. Anything else before we get out of here? No, just thanks to all of uh, our listeners out there. As as always, um, we appreciate you. Um, subscribe to our Patreon for two bucks a month. As I mentioned earlier, you get the extra bonus episode, which is coming out every Thursday, and uh, you're getting two extra articles a month. I mean, I'm sorry, a week if you're a generational patron, which is four dollars a month. Uh, all the money goes to helping us pay for the hosting and things like that. We're not we're not out here uh, making banks. Seth and I have other jobs, so we're just having fun. We appreciate you guys listening, and we love talking football and uh, especially college football and draft prospects because, as you all know, we are um, fans of teams in the NFL, which historically are drafting early. That's right, and we're back on the track this year, right, Rob? Here we go. Well, baby. you you guys are. Who's the best inside linebacker prospect? That's what I got to figure out. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Got it's got to be somebody. that would require some uh, research, but um, honestly, they'll probably draft Drew Sanders because, like you said, he plays six positions. Yeah, take so. a guy who's good at something else and move him to inside linebacker. That right. seems to be your mo. Yeah, so that's what that's what they'll do. But yeah, I mean. Take a take a look at our Patreon. Like like Justin said, every week uh, I write some players to watch. Some weeks I I hit on them before they have a great week, and and other weeks uh, 
<laughs> like this week. Actually, uh, the kid from Central Michigan didn't didn't run too poorly, but but uh, the smaller school guys struggled this week. So, but you one know, one thing I, that we're doing though is we're we're pumping out names that like Jalen Daniels, the quarterback for Kansas. We were talking about him three weeks ago. This Saturday, the whole timeline on Twitter was a buzz of, about Jalen Daniels. If you listen to our show, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you already knew about that kid. And he is really legit. Yep. And he, like DJU, I would love to see back in college next year. Um, but that's it. For, <laughs> okay. That's it from us. We'll be back later this week with our Patreon episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>